never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of The Mac and Reed Show. And I don't know what the hell Ross's background is, but it's lit. It's still like, reminds me of Vegas or something going on here, something funky. Got a lot packed on the show tonight. First of all, thank you to Barroom Network for all their great programming. Check them out at Barroom Network, and you can check our past episodes and podcasts out on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. You can check out all the episodes of this Mac and Reed show on YouTube as well, and the audio version on Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Uh, I'm at the real Evan Mac on Twitter, and so and Ross is at Ross Reed, and so. A lot to get to, as I mentioned. We're talking Bears to lead off. Still kind of piggybacking off what we talked about in episode one. Best player available. All offense in the second round. All defense. It's all up in the air at this point. The Bulls playoff bound. They're tipping off against the Bucks this weekend, starting the series up. We will make predictions for that and hopeful expectations, I suppose. NBA playoff games are going on. Baseball is back. A lot to get to with baseball. Of course, Clayton Kershaw in the headlines for the wrong reasons, I feel like. Music news, a whole lot more, uh, as we teased earlier. Name an actor with no bad movies. Oh, man, I'm excited to talk about that. How's it going, Mr. Ross Reed? It's good. My background is either fear and loathing in the bar room, um, or we're just in like in the middle of an Earth, Wind & Fire video. Either way, I'm digging it. Jerome. Yeah. How you doing today, brother? I'm um, doing well. Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. Um, you know, before we kind of kick it off a little bit and we talk about we go on with the Bears, uh, with some more draft talk. I know we got the draft. I think it is ten days from tomorrow. No, a week from tomorrow, or something like that. Right? We're coming up pretty soon on the NFL draft. Soon. Yeah, I believe it's. Um, yeah. So I think it's like it's next week, and then um, you know, we have uh, of course the Bears uh, first couple picks are, are in day two, so we'll be waiting a night. Um, but I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't address um, the comments today from Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. He was on the score earlier today. Um, I think it ruffled a lot of feathers with good reason. I think it was um, very poor, lazy analysis of him to basically go out and say that um, Ryan Poles and Matt Everflus were not uh, full in on you know Justin Fields or not standing behind them, despite the fact that they've had many comments in this offseason praising Fields um, for his uh, for his development. And also, you know, the Bears intentionally went out and they had Fields do a press conference right after both guys were, were hired and introduced for the football team. It, it, let's not mistake this. Justin Fields is the future of this franchise. This team will be built around him. And those two guys know that their futures immediately and also years ahead uh, rely heavily on Justin Fields, and there's no way that they are they are not behind him as a franchise. And, and I think it was within poor taste to go out there and have those those comments today. Um, you know, I, I I won't speak you know too much for the score. I, I know some people over there; they're they're good people over there. But you know, as some of these national writers, they have to do a lot better when they're talking about specific teams to kind of read the room and do your homework and and, and know what you're talking about going into this. And, and I just thought that was poor uh, all the way around. And uh, I, I couldn't start the draft talk without at least addressing that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I think it's, and the quote was, it feels like the Bears are deliberately taking a step back. And the problem is usually teams do that when they don't have a QB they believe in. It just feels like you're fishing for likes or controversy at this point because we know there's no truth to that we know that justin fields is absolutely the guy you moved up in the draft I mean, albeit you know this is Everflus's and ryan pole's team now it's a different regime absolutely i i don't buy anything that florio is saying i think it's all just hoopla you know for lack of a better word for it and 
it's just ludicrous for me to think that they would that the Bears organization would be detached from Justin Fields. Uh, they would have addressed quarterback in this offseason as a result. Someone as a as a bridge guy. I, I think that you know regarding Justin Fields, obviously, sort of the future of this franchise. A lot of it is on his shoulders, and yeah. maybe Mike Florio feels that way that's the way i would say it rather than the way that he said it saying that they're they're taking a step back and they don't have a quarterback they believe in that's insane uh, yeah and i and i was gonna say you know i listen they in a way they are kind of taking a step back but what they're doing is they're kind of pressing the reset button we talked about this a ton last week right ryan pace uh dealt his team he had one of the the, the highest aging rosters in the league um, he dealt out a, a ton of money to guys that just were were injured and weren't producing like like we thought they should have. Um, he added on a ton of void years, which really put the Bears in cap hell. So, you know, what Brian Poles is doing right now is he's getting away from that. He says, look, I want to add more talent on the same timeline of my young you know, quarterback. And look, we all know that this is a rebuilding year going forward. We know that we're not expecting uh, a Super Bowl, you know, playoffs are probably even a stretch as well. But that's not, in my opinion, taking a step back. That's reading the room, recognizing the situation and taking a smarter, more analytical approach to this situation and realizing that you can't go, like we said last week, the Jacksonville route and sign every damn free agent underneath the sun. History shows that does not work. You have to build this team from the trenches uh, in out and you have to do it through the draft. And I think that's what, you know, what, what makes this so exciting next week as we see, uh, as we start to talk about, you know, what the bears are going to do uh, this whole approach in the off season. But I, I think that to, to come out with those comments today, you know, again, it's, you know, early on in April, I think it was, it was um, misguided and it was to rile bears fans up and i mean i guess it worked because you know it, it set twitter on fire today and, and here we are talking about it at the top of our show <laughs> exactly draft two weeks away by the way on the 28th it'll start at last weekend of april but regardless i you know it's it's again i'm i'm gonna stick with that as far as what florio has to say and i know the score loves him and maybe they had a conversation hey how about this sort of hot take because the reality is justin fields is not going anywhere anytime soon uh, and credit to him, I, I loved his take. We'll, we'll get to the Dwayne Haskins news and and that tragedy in a bit. But mm -hmm. the way he composes himself is is really above his age. I feel like at this point, and the guy, you know, he's coming off a rookie season that was as rocky as it gets. When you kind of knew halfway through, when you're starting to start games, you're you're not losing the locker room. The locker room is losing. Uh, Matt Nagy's losing the locker room. I'm trying to say sure. and. It's up in the air as far as management and every other part of the personnel. You know you're the guy, though. So, again, like you said, Ross, they're pressing the reset button. They're going to try to bring as much talent as they can as far, as far as protection around him and stick to that, but build some depth around him, get more skill position players. Like, don't mess with the run game, really. You have a great back in David Montgomery, but get, some, get a guy who's going to be a security blanket for him. Tight end, like we've talked about, is a big area of need. But it's a... It's without a doubt to me. There's no question that that Justin Fields is the guy, and anybody else who who says otherwise for now, I, I just think it's it's insane to me. It's an insane, really early off season take. It's just trying to to stir up Twitter or social media or just you know the Bears pessimists out there. And you know, there's a lot of disgruntled fans. It is. It is. Well, you know, we can kind of segue into uh, what the future holds for the Bears as the draft approaches. Who the Bears are going, or, or what the Bears are going to do to surround Justin Fields with the talent that he needs to for him to succeed, and for us as this football team to succeed as well. We realize that the quarterback is the most important position on the team, um, but listen, he's one of, of, of 52 other guys in the locker room. You still have to, to develop this whole team uh, on on both sides of the football in all three phases as well. Uh, uh, special teams, you know, we saw the Bears go out there and, and sign the uh, the coast linebacker last week, special teams ace. Um, you know, so, you know, that also factors in and that leads us to kind of our, our, our topic for, for this week for bears related is, you know, we know that the bears have two second round picks right now coming up in, in, in a couple of weeks. What do you do with those two second round picks? Do you go, you know, kind of traditional best player available offense or defense, 
Or do you say, look, we intentionally didn't go out this offseason and add a ton of offensive talent for Justin Fields because we didn't like the prices, we didn't like the fit, so on and so forth. They tried to sign the guy from Buffalo, the guard. Didn't quite work out. That's fine. We'll move on. Now, do you go wide receiver, offensive lineman? Do you go wide receiver, wide receiver? Do you go offensive lineman, offensive lineman? Or do you go BPP, uh, best player available? Do you say, you know, we'll take a safety with our first pick in the second round? Or we'll take a corner with our first pick, uh, with our second pick in the second round? It's really an interesting question and dilemma. I I personally tend to lean um, both picks should be offensive-minded. I think you should take the best offensive players on the board. Um, but I, I guess I kind of want to hear from you and, and, you know, hear from the comments and stuff like that to hear, you know, what do you guys think? If a rock star safety is on the board, should he be taken or do we stay with the path of going offense? It's certainly best player available because there's so much need out there. And I, I entrust that whole war room that Ryan Poles is assembling. And I think that it, it does come back to the best player available. I think when you look at, around the league, offensive linemen, uh, it's so hard to get the guys out there that are just super tough interior linemen or you know, looking at your blind side, looking at guys who will pave the way, running lanes on the right side, right tackles. But also the defense, it's like we talked about, there's a lot of success when you're a ball-hawking defense like this. And I think that that secondary did not do the Bears any favors last year. And certainly you know, up front, this defense is completely different. Robert Quinn may be coming back, but, you know, is he going to have the same year as last year? Not likely. This guy's seemingly pretty up and down. Uh, you'd like someone to be alongside Roquan Smith, maybe. There's there's a lot of directions to go, but seriously, Jalen Johnson, you're looking at hopefully a cornerback, I would say, at one of those picks in the second round. Ideally, you you want to do best of both worlds because clearly wide receiver, there's some talent out there. And we know this is a pretty wide receiver heavy class. Mm -hmm. And I'd say between the two positions of need the most to me, I think fill, filling that hole where Kyle Fuller left is super important. If there's someone in the second round they can look at, that would be the way I would spin it. And then the wide receiver, like we talked about. Ohio State has, you know, one the, some of the best wide receivers in the land, and Alabama has all this depth. And there's some guys that are just going to fall by the wayside. Like, obviously, these big um, blue chip programs are going to garner a lot of attention. But I think that, yeah, you just take those best player available based on those two positions, I'd say. But offensive line, I think, you know, Ross, what do you think about that? Do you think you would go offensive line first or, or defensive line? Am, am I wrong in my opinion here? So, I mean, you know, where I stand at, I think the Bears have to come out with who they feel is a stud wide receiver in one of these uh, second round picks. And the reason why I say that is right now you have on paper one of the worst receiving cores in the league. And you do need to surround Justin Fields with adequate weapons uh, to, to, for, to fully evaluate him. Um, also, you look around the league and you realize that, you know, wide receiver has increasingly become the second highest paid position in the NFL now, right? So, you know, in my eyes, the best way that you can kind of succeed and win in this league is if you can get a stud wide receiver and stud quarterback on their rookie contract. Well, look, we already got the quarterback, right? Hopefully he's a stud. He's on his rookie contract. If you can find yourself a stud wide receiver on your rookie contract as well, then we know the Bears are going into the offseason next year with a, a shit ton of cap space. And the fact that you might not have to, I mean, these wide receiver numbers in the offseason have been crazy. We saw what Devontae Adams has gotten. We saw what these other guys have gotten. It's just been, you know, Stefan Diggs just got paid the other day. These are absolutely insane numbers. Wait till guys like Justin Jefferson and stuff like that get paid. So if you can find that stud receiver to pair with the quarterback and have them both on a rookie deal and then use your free agent money next year to allocate that to other different areas. That's personally what I would like. Um, I would like a nasty offensive lineman uh, on this team, preferably um, a, a, a tackle or a, uh, an interior guard on the left side. Um, but I, I'm not opposed to going with a cornerback or something like that. But I do think the wide receiver sets precedent. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm saying it has to be at 39. You could trade back from 39 to uh, maybe uh, accumulate a, another third-round pick. 
or maybe you could take the wide receiver. Maybe it's a guy like like Pierce, and they find they think that Pierce is a stud, and you can get him with your second second round pick. I'm okay with that, but I do think that coming out of this, you need a stud wide receiver. A lot of people, there's a lot of smoke today about Pickens, the wide receiver from Georgia, saying that he's probably not going to make it past um, the the early 40s. Um, well, hell, the Bears pick at 39. So if that's your guy, then you take him, damn it. And I'm fine with that. But then, you know, the next pick, I would lean more towards be, you know, best player available with a slight edge to offensive line. But if there's a stud safety or corner on the board, I'd probably take him first. Yeah, the wide receiver is a big question mark. And you want a guy where Justin Fields can build a lot of confidence with and feel comfortable and and really be the answer that you thought Allen Robinson would be to Justin Fields. I know he had some good chemistry with Darnell Mooney, but you look at, again, George Pickens, John Dotson from Penn State, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. What are these guys will probably get picked um, either around that pick with 39 that the Bears have in, in the first um uh, part of their second round picks. So I, I would be a hundred percent behind those guys. Uh, I think that often I, I side with you though, too. I think you need to look at the offensive line. There's uh there's not a lot of leadership. I mean, I know you just signed um, Lucas Patrick and he'll be the leader, but Cody Whitehair, Dakota Dozier is just a guy. I feel like also right tackle would be very huge because I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Larry Borum is that guy. And I think, you know, he's one in, we're, they are one injury away from having a big hole at the right side of that offensive line. Defensively, again, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for going up front and finding, you know, a guy on the defensive line who could be just a, a monster and who could disrupt the passing game of opponents in the NFC North. That would be really important, too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of smoke right now around a lot of these. Um, you know, players in the draft with the Bears. Tyler Smith has been a popular name. Um, it was a guy that might fall to the Bears if he slips out the first round. He's the offensive lineman, uh, the tackle out of Ty- uh, out of Tulsa, excuse me. Um, but, you know, I, I saw a mock draft today that had Kyler Gordon going to the Bears. He's a stud cornerback uh, from Washington. And it's like, you know, does, does Ryan Poles pass up that kind of talent? You know, other guys on the board, you know, Christian Watson might might be there as well. We talked about him a lot last week, but, you know, you talked about guard and, and, and other offensive linemen, Zion Johnson from Boston College. Uh, Daniel Fiel is another guy I'm thinking about from Minnesota. You know, these He's guys gigantic. are – Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, these guys, you know, these guys are all going to be there. Or, I mean, we saw Ryan Poles try and sign a, a three technique, right, in the offseason, try and pay yeah. him big money. So, I mean, does a guy like – Logan Hall, a defensive tackle from Houston, you know, kind of jump out from him. But, you know, then, then again, there's a stud safety in Baylor, uh, you know, Petrie, I think his name is, um, you know, so it's going to be really interesting. I, to me, still lean when you go two picks in the second round, one pick in the third round. My ideal situation is to get a wide receiver and two solid offensive linemen from there. Or I wouldn't hate two wide receivers as well in a stud offensive lineman. But I look at that that receiving core. I'm a huge Darnell Mooney fan, but I'm not too high on a lot of the other guys. Even the guys they signed, you know, Equinemius St. Brown, right. uh, the young man from you know. Even I, I like Pringle, but I think Pringle is best served as your three or four, and not as your primary receiver. And we know they don't have any explosiveness from the tight end position. Cole Komet is a solid player. He's a good blocking tight end. He's gonna, you know, he's but he's not explosive. He's not explosive really in the red zone. Um, wasn't a big red zone target last year. Um, so I would like for them to get more weapons for fields, especially for him to be able to push the ball downfield. Now, it always becomes a chicken in the head situation because in order for him to push the football downfield, he obviously needs time to do so. And that's where the offensive line comes back into play. Yeah, no question there. And this offensive line has changed quite a bit, and it will look different, but so is the defense to that end. And I, I, that that defense, obviously, a huge hit with Khalil Mack gone. I know it wasn't his best year last year, but just the presence he commands there, commanding double teams, and it made 
Robert Quinn's season, as you saw, too. So that's a big hole to fill, and it all starts up front there. Mm-hmm. You know, the new Bears that, that were signed, like you mentioned, we had Ryan Griffin getting signed from the Jets to Chicago. Kind of fills a need, I suppose, when you get a veteran tight end there, and I know that's a, a big need of yours, if, in your opinion, Ross. But mm-hmm. Matt Adams at linebacker, an Eberflus guy, he's uh, likely a special teamer, formerly with Colts, and then more depth in secondary with Tavon Young at corner. Formerly with the Ravens, he's had a lot of injury problems, though that should be said for sure. Yeah. He's, a good nick- he's a good nickel when he's healthy, though. So hopefully he's yeah. healthy this year. He's a good nickel. Mm-hmm. I, you, you know, it uh, should be said, too, the second round in Bears history has been pretty promising with guys like Mike Singletary, Charles Tillman, Devin Hester, Matt Forte. I think Adam Sheen. Certainly Adam Sheen. <laughs> yeah, there's also those misses, right? It's, it's such a crapshoot. Like, we we look at the first-round picks, and and even that is is tough. When you look at the offensive line picks that have been made by the Bears in the past, you'd just be like, oh, my God, they, they drafted that guy? And Devin Hester, who yeah. knew that? Devin Hester would be Devin Hester. You yeah. just really don't know, and, and all these combines only mean so much, and scattering reports until they go and hit the field. And, and there's a lot to be said with their uh, the way they they uh, mesh with these other teammates too. Yeah, which is why I mean I think we have to realize that this is all such an inexact science. And sure. you know we 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 you know these guys grind tape, they do interviews, um, they have in person visits, uh, they they do so much homework, and and even us as fans do so much homework on all these on these picks and we really don't know how any of these guys are going to shake out until about two to three years down the line you know it, it could be such a crapshoot i mean we were all excited when you know for example like anthony miller was drafted we thought that he was going to be a, a dynamite player for us for a long time he just he didn't have the the mental capacity as it seems to be able to withstand succeeding in the nfl and it's just like how can you you know, how can you quantify that, you know, especially from our end as fans when we're just looking at the tape and we're like, that guy should be a home run player. He's explosive. He's got hands. He's got talent. This is now between the years. And now the guy, I don't even know if he's in the NFL right now, but, you know, you know, it, stuff like that always happens. And that's what makes this such a, um, you know, such a difficult uh, process. And, and, you know, that's why, you know, Ryan Pohl is getting paid the big bucks. That's why he's driving the Mercedes Benz that we saw that uh, that opening clip when he was hired. And um, let's pray that the Bears are able to come out of this draft with at least four solid starters because that's a dream. No matter where they're at on the football field, um, if they can come out of this draft with at least four solid starters, um, then I think we're in good hands going forward. The wins and, and losses just, don't matter to me this year as so no, much no. as the, the development of fields and, um, and, and, and the rest of these young players on the team. Yeah, you need to see the offense take the next step. And the first step is running the NFC North, right? You you got to prepare for life after Aaron Rodgers and and now make it competitive between those two because Detroit's a mess. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins isn't the guy, even though he's getting paid like he's the guy. You just got to get past those guys to start and and you get to see all three of those teams twice a year. It's it's a good warm-up. And then the Bears you know, historically have tougher schedules like that. You have to build that chemistry early on. This will be a very telling sophomore season for him with behind this offensive line that might have some injuries. And and then who knows with the newer wide receiving core, how it will look, but hopefully you get that guy who will be what, again, what an Allen Robinson was or what Alshon Sean uh, Jeffrey was too. Mm -hmm. So it remains to be seen. Let's move on. Ross talking about, the Chicago Bulls and oh, the playoff hype video with Common was fantastic. I hope that's not the only good thing to come from these playoffs. And again, the series will tip off against the Bucks this weekend on Easter Sunday. It's kind of exciting, but makes me very nervous <laughs> as they yeah. prepare to, to play this team that is stacked, man. They're stacked and they're getting healthy at the right time with the bigs especially are concerning Serge Ibaka and Brooke Lopez. Then, you know, like we mentioned in the last episode, Drew Holiday, Giannis is obviously going to play like he has been playing. The, the big question is, can they contain Giannis? I think it starts with that. And no one has been able to, obviously, since last season. Again, he's a perennial MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. One of the best big men out there. He's making his free throws now. He's playing smart basketball. He's he's good at facilitating. He's a great leader now. Can they try and couple Tristan Thompson and Vucevic together to try and stop him? Or, you know, is the backcourt really, really going to provide that spark? Because 
you're going to need DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and a third guy to go off. We know Levine and, and DeRozan will get theirs. DeRozan can take over the fourth quarter. He could be a closer in tight ones. But that third guy, it remains to be seen again, Ross. I, I think that, again, we thought it might be Lonzo Ball, and it, it's not that guy at this point. Uh, it, it might be Kobe White. It might be another outlier. You know, uh, Alex Caruso is going to provide some big minutes, and it, it just remains to be seen. What, what are you thinking about game one? What are we going to see? We're going to see a tight game, but I feel like starting off in Milwaukee, yeah, you got to give it to the Bucks to start off strong here. And Giannis has one of those great almost triple-double games. Yeah, I mean, look, Bucks are are plus three forty to sweep this series. It's one of the lowest odds um, heading into the playoffs for a team to sweep. The the Bulls have, uh, you know, some of some of the highest odds right now in terms of um, them not being able to to even take a game in this series, uh, even over a lot of the play in teams, which is you know just nuts to me. Um, but that's just a testament to where this team is kind of limping in at heading into this playoffs. Um, I do think that the the break uh, and the rest that they're getting right now, they're getting uh, a full week off basically, uh, will help them. It's to their advantage. I think DeMar was uh, exhausted at the end of the season. I mean, he had to carry a lot of the weight all year with these injuries involved. Um, it'll help Zach Levine, obviously, with his knee. Um, you know, Hopefully, it'll allow a guy like Vucevic to, to rust up and, and get going again. But you know, they're still really undermanned. They miss Lonzo Ball a lot. You kind of hit that on the head. I mean, you know, the Bulls, one of the worst uh, volume three-point volume three point shooting teams in the league. And remember Lonzo, you know, when he was hurt, this guy was throwing, was tossing up six, seven uh, three-pointers a game and making them out of 40% clip. And the Bulls just don't have another guy in that, like that on the roster that can be able to pick up that slack. And I think that's really hurting them. In my opinion, you know, I, I would try and get more opportunities for Patrick Williams. We saw him on Sunday night against the, yeah. the, the Timberwolves. Granted, it was kind of a throwaway game, but nobody else played out there. And you can see that this guy, you know, he's got skills. There's a reason why he was picked top five for a reason. He has an offensive game. I think he's just way too passive, especially when guys like Levine and DeMar on the court. But what do you have to lose in, in being able to try and open him up more and open up his offensive game and, and put more pressure on the Bucks, who don't really have, to me, a, a ton of great wing defenders, right? I think Drew Holiday is a great defender, but he's a guard. He's probably going to be on either DeMar or Zach the entire game. Um, you know, Middleton's going to take the other guy, but you know, Giannis kind of likes to roam around and, and kind of play center field. But outside of that, it's guys like Bobby Porters who can't move his feet on defense and guys like Brooke Lopez can't move his feet on defense. You have to use Patrick Williams to your advantage, in my opinion, and use him to me as that, that pseudo third option and kind of use Vooch as a, as a decoy slash pick and pop kind of guy. I, you know, I, I, voiced my opinion on, on Twitter the other night about Vucevic. I'm not a big fan. I don't think he's coming back next year. But, you know, what else do you have to lose if you're the Bulls heading into these playoffs? I do, I do think that game one is their best opportunity to win a game in this series, right? They're rusted. The Bucks will be rusted as well, but they might be a little rusty. They might be a little complacent coming in. And I think that's your best opportunity to punch them in the mouth. It's kind of like similar to you know, when the Bulls would go against those Miami Heat teams with the, the Derrick Rose years and they were able to, like, sneak away game one in, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, right? That's your best opportunity to to hit a giant in the mouth is, is the first game. After that, I don't think it looks good for the Bulls. Um, I You know, I, I don't want to be too pessimistic. Anybody going out to the games um, next week, have a blast. This team has not been in the playoffs in a long time. I do think that the arrow is still pointing up on this franchise. I think uh, I believe in you know, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley to be able to retool this roster in the offseason and hopefully make it better. But um, yeah, it's going to be this is going to be a rough uh, this is going to be a, a bump in a rough bump in the road coming up to hopefully better days in the future. I'm conflicted because this Bulls team really limped into this postseason, right? They they lost, what, three straight, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, well, I should say the Timberwolves, you know, you go out on a win. But with the starters, I'm saying, when it wasn't a throwaway game there and you're, you're resting all these starters. So it, to, to the point about rest, it is important when Caruso needs that rest and, and Pat Williams could certainly get more time. Uh, Kobe White has kind of, 
been on and off uh, hurt as well. But yeah, it, to me, it also comes back to the bench and how that's a good time to take advantage of Giannis being out, obviously, because the scoring seems to diminish, of course, when he's out and Drew Holiday and, and you lose Chris Middleton um, from that starting lineup. So Bobby Portis comes in, like you mentioned, a guy like Grayson Allen, George Hill. That's when you hope that guys like Caruso can shine. Well, Caruso, you know, will likely be starting. So Kobe White can come with big minutes. Patrick Tom- Patrick Williams, like you said. Mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson, he's supposedly this guy with so much vet experience. And even though he's he's a cheap deal and he serves a purpose as, as just a rental big man, this is what you signed him for. Derek Jones Jr., you know, where has, has he been? And no, he he lost, he missed some time with injury. I agree with you, Ross, that this is a good opportunity, but I think you just need to make it a series. I think that Milwaukee is might as well be a home game for the, the, this Bulls team. It travels well to Milwaukee. You know, they we saw the news that they were the number one selling home crowd and away crowd as mm-hmm. far as fanship, which was great to see, and and that speaks to this team. So support that does that does play into it because you remember the bubble. There was there that was not a factor in, in any means. So. I I'd say I just, you know, you, you have to just see how that first game is. It'll gauge, it'll be a dogfight. I think it'll be more competitive than the games we've seen the bulls play against the bucks, but you gotta, those starters, obviously it's, it's going to come down to Levine and DeRozan. And, and with all this talk about Vooch, you would hope it would light a fire under his ass, right? Sure. Like this, is the guy who kind of set off this whole you know, form how it formed this team, Arturis Garns Corvus and Mark Eversley, that you don't get DeMar DeRozan and maybe you don't get Caruso. Maybe you don't get certain guys like that. The rest of it is kind of built through the draft. But yeah, this guy, it's about time. He he has a tough assignment, obviously, having to guard Giannis to that end. But I'm curious to see what Billy Donovan does too, going up against a, a great coach in Milwaukee. And if he... As what it takes, he keeps talking about making those adjustments and learning from mistakes and yada, yada, all the coach speak. But can he turn it into wins? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a sweep, but we're looking at maybe five, maybe six games. Five. Yeah. I'm very five. curious to see, um, you know, how Zach performs. I mean, listen, this is the NBA playoffs. This is the time of year where the stars shine and the stars lift their teams. And this is a time of year where rotations get limited and your stars play, you know, 40 minutes a night. We saw it uh, last night with Kevin Durant, you know, Cleveland put up a good fight, but that's fucking Kevin Durant over there. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to beat yeah. that guy. You know what I'm saying? When, when your name is, um, you know, I, um, you know, Darius Garland, and that's no diss to Darius Garland, but stars are just, they, they, they lift teams, uh, you know, this time of year and uh, with this being Zach Levine's first playoffs, I'm really curious to see how he goes out there and performs in his first playoffs. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see um, as he starts to to build his legacy, so to speak, in this league as a young man. Um, you know, I, I want to see him play very aggressive, uh, but play also still within control and um, and use his talent to has to best his ability because this is a guy that can go out for 35 you know, any, on any given night. And if he does it efficiently, then, you know, the Bulls can at least make a lot of these games very competitive. Absolutely. With Levine and DeRozan, it's like you talked about very little experience with Zach Levine, obviously going into the playoffs uh, for the first time. And then DeMar DeRozan, who's still chasing uh, that first ring at this point and kind of the journeyman that he is, it's a tough assignment and they're going to need to step up. And now that they have the rest that they need, they're going to have to lead the pack. They're going to have to be those guys. I think that a lot of people are saying in the chat here as well, Patrick Williams, he's got to be that guy. You've waited, you know, most of the season for him to come out and have big minutes, mm-hmm. but defensively it's, it's a tough assignment because Milwaukee are, are the reigning champs for a reason. And they're rolling into this post season as hot as they have been all year. Absolutely. Moving on to the rest of the NBA, Brooklyn and Minnesota are moving on to the playoffs uh, into the <clears throat> seven games series. I thought the uh, I thought the the Minnesota Timbers won the NBA championship yesterday. You sure about I thought that? They did too. Yeah, the it's, way it's they celebrated, I thought it was... <laughs> the way <laughs> Patrick Beverly had the most insane range of emotions. He was out on the on the scorers' table. 
all just throwing his jersey into the crowd. Then he's crying. Then he's taking instant Instagram live saying, fuck the Clippers. It was just absurd to me. He's drinking and, a Bud Light during the um during the Colts game. <laughs> Bro, this is the playing game. I guess get hyped. And I know a lot of people were hating on him for whatever reason, but you carry that over to Memphis. Whatever. That's gonna be a hell of a series. But Brooklyn, then it's like we figured for the Nets as as Kyrie and Katie went off with double doubles each and they beat the Cavs soundly. Uh, they'll play the Celtics in the first round. That should be an exciting series as well. But yeah, T-Wolves looking real spicy. They're going to play Memphis and Patrick Beverly talks his, talks his shit, man. Like you have to expect. And Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, they might make this a series. I still don't think they'll beat Memphis, but no. I mean, you, you win that first playing game. It's what it is. Yeah. And it's yeah, some- it's, some girl glued herself to the floor. Did you see that? That was odd. Yes, the, the gluing to the floor. Like, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to glue myself to the to the hardwood. That was the most bizarre thing, something we've never seen before. It, it was completely unusual. Um, I, I'd say, well, you know, back to the Nets. This is that that sort of you can't even call them a dark horse. They just happen to be a lower seed, where they could be going to the NBA Finals or at least the Conference Finals with you know maybe the Bucks or ever comes out of that matchup but but the Celtics have been peaking at the same time too and then the other games we got the playing games Hornets and Hawks which is going on right now 70 to 60 or whatever and then Pelicans and Spurs I just see you know the the winners get to play Spurs get to play the Clippers if they win or whoever wins that matchup Mm -hmm. for the eighth seed in the west and then between Hawks and, and Hornets they play the Cavs for the eighth seed this playing stuff is stupid it's just it's very it's very aggravating we know it's a money grab Right, it's like the um, it's like the shrimp cocktail before you get to the nice four hundred dollars steak. So, and I don't like shrimp shrimp cocktail, but I mean, it, it's making the league a lot of money. But I, I can't wait for the playoffs to start. Um, Kyrie in Boston, going back to Boston is going to be um, yeah. you know very fun, very interesting. It, it took uh, Kyrie until April to uh, all of a sudden um, you know not see a shot that he didn't like. Uh, hey oh, but he's he's coming in on fire right now, and Kevin Durant is hot, and, and you know Boston was really hot at the end of the season, so I think that is going to be a really fun series. Um, but I, yeah, I'm excited for just the rest of the playoffs to get going to see what like Joel Embiid is going to do, and and see how Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the best team in basketball right now. How are they going to come out and respond? But then can the upstart the upstart uh, Memphis. Uh, Grizzlies kind of give them some go as well. So let's get this playing bullshit out of here. You know, let, let's let's get the real playoffs started, and um, you know, let's start to get some some quality basketball heading into the summer. Ross, give me the line about Kyrie again. He didn't like it. He didn't. Uh, he now all of a sudden he doesn't like a shot he didn't like. I didn't. I didn't stick. To, I don't know. I didn't stick the landing. <laughs> you tried your best. <laughs> it's an exciting, yeah, that's an exciting series with the uh, the Celtics and the Nets. It really there's there's a lot of bad blood in the first round, I would feel like if it, if it all pans out the way you would expect it to. Yeah. Um I know that you know, obviously the playing games are, are not what we want to see, but Toronto and Philly, Denver and Golden State, um Dallas and Utah, you know, whoever plays Miami, that's going to be tough and and again, the road goes through Phoenix and and Milwaukee for sure, but yeah. uh, it's just a, one of the most exciting times. There's a lot of good spots playing right now. As I was watching the playing games before the yeah. show, and, and look, uh, I'm curious look, to see who comes out as MVP for one too. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the, the the ratings came out today for the year, and the ratings are up in the NBA, so business is good for them right now. I think the the league has a ton of good young talent, top to bottom. And I think that's been reflected uh, in, in people watching more basketball this year. So um, I, I think that, you know, the NFL playoffs kind of set the bar for 2022. We had some outstanding games. We got Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes and we got Joe Burrow with doing uh, his amazing stuff. And we saw what the Rams were able to do as well. Even Tom Brady, you know, when we thought was his last game uh, on the way out, had a, a terrific uh, you know, game against the Rams. And now let's see what the NBA can do. Let's see what some of these stars can do. And I, I think a, you know, a, a big part of the story, not that I want to centralize everything about LeBron, but this is a playoffs without LeBron. And I think this is for the first time ever. We're like, eh, we're okay with that. Like, like, like I don't think here, I hear a lot of people saying, 
oh shit, we missed LeBron James in the playoffs. I think a lot of people are okay with that. And that speaks to the overall health of the league going forward. And we realize that, look, this, this guy, you know, he's given us a great 17 year career or whatever. And we know he's coming back next year. So I'm not kicking him out, but he is on the way out. He can't keep doing this, but at least we're in good hands going forward with the quality of, of talent in the league. You guys, you got guys like John Morant and Trey Young and Jason mm-hmm. Tatum and all these young superstars and Joel Embiid. And like, we've got three big men this year that can win the MVP and Embiid, Jokic and Giannis and, and Luka Doncic is a superstar. Right. And so I, I think that, um, you know, Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA should feel really excited about where things are going. And hopefully we get a good playoffs out of it. They certainly should, because the question, regardless of the outcome of these playoffs, certainly who will be, can the Suns uh, go back to the finals? Can they get past uh, all these new young bloods in the West? Like you mentioned, Job ja Morant and Luka Doncic peaking at the right time uh, and out of the East, who can challenge Giannis if it's Embiid, if Durant goes back. But, you know, between those guys, it's who's that next LeBron, right? Who's the face of the NBA? Who's it going to be? And it's it's going to be quite a run. And even a guy like Anthony Edwards, who's really young, there's there's a lot of young talent out there. There's a lot mm-hmm. of sort of middle-of-the-road guys. There's a guy like Kevin Durant, who's you know almost up there in LeBron's uh, age range, too, who's, mm-hmm. who's looking for another ring as well. Steph Curry's out there, too. So it's really old guard meets new. And I like it because... We, 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 it's been dominated by LeBron regardless. You know, there was a stat about the Spurs not having a televised game. Their first televised game is later tonight. They're nationally televised, but nationally televised. They didn't have a nationally televised game all year. And LeBron and the Lakers had something like 40. Could you name five guys on the Spurs roster off the top of your head? Five guys? No, I can't. (laughs) I can name like (laughs) uh, Greg Popovich count. (laughs) <laughs> it's Popovich cat. You can name one guy. I can name Dwan Dwan Murray, uh Jacob Portal, and oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they're not nationally televised for a good reason. Absolutely. You gotta let all these even even the scrub teams get on the national televised schedule. You gotta flex them in there at least once. Come on. Absolutely. Not one. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out as these playing games wrap up and we get the real action this weekend starting off. Move on to baseball, Ross. Sure. Baseball's back. It's back. How it's you feeling about it, Tox? It's, it's, uh, it's obviously very early. You know, yeah. we're seeing Luis Robert off to a hot start on the south side. And yep. There's early... I don't know, injury concerns with Lucas Giolito. It's, it's all, there are, it's there all are. good. It's, it's going to be resting early for, for a good reason. It's yeah, it's going to be fine. The bears, I mean the bears, the white Sox are getting hit with the injury bug early on, but I feel like every team is going to get hit with their injury, injury bug early on. Um, as you know, short, you know, spring training was shortened. These guys had to ramp up pretty quickly. We saw Clayton Kershaw get pulled today from a perfect game. Um, I, I think it was to protect him. He had only had a, a 72 pitch simulated start before this, you know, this game. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of that. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams trying to really back off on, on a lot of their players early on. I think we saw over the weekend, opening weekend, um, a lot of the starting pitches only went like four or five innings max because they didn't have a, a elongated spring training. Um, even still, the White Sox took care of business in Detroit. They're winning right now in a rain-soaked, guaranteed rate field against the Mariners. They won yesterday their home opener against the Mariners. So, you know, if the White Sox can tread water here the first couple weeks of the season until they get their reinforcements back with with Giolito and Joe Kelly and Yohan Mankata's got to come back and A.J. Pollock's going to come back, then they're still the best team in AL Central. And that's all I care about is at the end of the – in October – if this team is number one in the AL Central going into the playoffs and they're healthier than they are right now, then giddy up. Let's ride. Sure. You know, the offense isn't going to skip a beat while Giolito, and if there's any pitching concerns in the meantime, that's how it's got to be. If it's not Luis Robert, then whoever else needs to step up to, to that end, and Tim Anderson or insert guy here. And on the north side, Cubs, similar good start, at least winning so far, winning season so far with say a Suzuki off to a great start. Got a little oh. heated against the, the Brewers this past weekend too. They're yep. trying to fight each other and there's 
five batters hit by pitches in that game where benches cleared. I, I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, the North side, you know, this is obviously a big transition time. You talked about the bears and rebuild. I don't really know what the future is for this Cubs franchise. And I know that they, they just care about uh, the bar and, and hotel and restaurant scene in Wrigley at this point, if you're looking at the Ricketts, but you know, you got, you got to field a decent team, I would think. So you're, you're seeing some, some new names as opposed to, Obviously, the departure of Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and and the big names like that and and Chris Bryant's like it's just a very weird time if you're a Cubs fan mm-hmm. uh, when you're saying a guy like oh say a Suzuki I've never heard of him but he's off to a great start he's I don't know I'm a and huge fan had- of the uh, I was gonna say I'm a huge fan of the the prayer hands like bow on the home run that he does <laughs> like yeah. huge fan. Sure, that's a nice celebration. It's it nice to see some some competitive baseball early on here. And as far as you know, it is as early as it is, I think you have to circle back and talk about the Dodgers pulling Clayton Kershaw during that perfect game bid because of the pitch count. Mm-hmm. And Kershaw's quote was those are selfish goals, talking about the perfect game. We're trying to win. That's really all we're here for. Man, get out of here with that. If I'm Kershaw, I'm staying in. I'm not letting anybody pull me out. You already won a World Series. I guess you have nothing to prove. I'm proving my own point. You won a World Series. All the awards you want. You have a no-hitter. But go for the perfect game. But that's the thing, though. This would have been the 24th. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's like, does a perfect game really do anything for you nowadays as a fan? Like, it doesn't really... Is it, like, really must-see TV like it used to be? This guy is up there in age. He's in his 30s. He's had a shit ton of injuries already. He's trying to win another chip, and and I and they know like he hasn't thrown a hundred pitches probably since late you know September last year. And if you try and like max that arm out in April just to get him a perfect game, and he blows his arm out, and they they risk you know winning another World Series because of that, it just wasn't worth it to get the twenty fourth perfect game in, in in Major League Baseball history. I, I think they did the right thing. Dave Roberts will take some shit for it today. He'll take some heat for it. But I think you didn't see Clayton Kershaw complaining. He, he knew about the bigger picture. And a week from now, nobody's going to remember this. And especially if the Dodgers are in first place in September every, and Clayshaw, Kershaw is still healthy, everybody's going to remember they did the right thing. I guess. I, 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 I hate to see know. you know any regrets in that in that sense. But like you said, it's you're one pitch away from having another, you know, Tommy John surgery or some ridiculous injury. And you know the Dodgers are well set to go deep into the playoffs again. There's so much money behind that team and Clayton Kershaw that he's gonna be that guy and he'll be he'll be pitching as many pitches as he needs to in the postseason, that's for sure. So mm-hmm. I get that aspect of it, but you wonder if he has any regrets when you're really feeling it like that. And you're just thumping the other team and throwing heat. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Let's go to some quick hits at the end here, Ross, as we're wrapping up the show and lead off on the somber note. But the voice of Iago, he's gone. We lost the comic legend and Gilbert Gottfried, who was a great voice actor, as I said, Mm -hmm. Iago. And he had that very nasally, just some might say, annoying <laughs> sort of voice, but he was sure. hilarious with everything he was in. I think, uh, you know, obviously the comedy community rallied behind him. I know he was at the, the roast of Bob Saget. He was, he was great in that. And we lost Bob Saget recently too. Mm-hmm. It's a big bummer. And, you know, as far as his family goes, he had the long illness and all. I, uh, I got to meet him when I was an intern at WGN and he was, he was nice enough. A lot of guys can just be dismissive at that point. They're just like, Hey, you're an intern, whatever. Um, he was on air. He was talking about Bing Crosby beating his kids. Like he had a very dark sense of humor too. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is as far as him being lost on in the comedy community. But, uh, but man, it, it's very it's tough when uh, when you see these guys like him, Louis Anderson and Bob Saget. I saw we're yeah. all in a picture together. We lost all of them very like pretty recently. They're just gone like that, and they're all just hilarious people. Exactly. I mean, great. You know that guy actor, the voice. Of course, you talked about he was Iago and Aladdin. The fact that him and Robin Williams were were sharing you know scenes together and stuff like that, and we like we lost both of them, but. Yeah, I remember him. He was in like Beverly Hills Cop 2. He's been in, yeah. um, you know, Look Who's Talking, Problem Child. Just, you know, it's a lot of movies that I remember growing up as a kid in the 90s and 80s. And like, you just instantly heard that voice. You started laughing. And, and the fact that 
you know, he took his his unique talent for his voice and his comedy, and the man stretched it into you know a, a thirty plus, a, a three decade plus career is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he just he was working all the way up until the end. I mean, you know, even I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and you know, he's got some stuff that is um, he was working on some stuff that's in pre production now, but he was doing a lot of short story stuff and a lot of animated content. Um, yep. He did some stuff with with Stephen Colbert as well, so. You know, we lost a legend. It, it, it always hurts, to, you know, when we when we lose these guys. But you know, I, I think when we lose comedians like this, the saving grace is that we can still go back to their art and and laugh and enjoy it. And um, you know, RIP, RIP to him. Him. Uh, you know, he talked about Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald is one of my favorites that we lost last year as well. Just a great. Yeah. You know, these guys have that great uh, dry humor that I think that we just don't get anymore. Um, kind of from like that Don Rickles kind of age of humor. I just, you know, we don't get that kind of stuff anymore. So RIP to him. Um, look how happy he is next to me. Yeah, look at you guys. That's a young Evan. Nice That's a young Evan. Younger, fatter. He had the cashmere sweater for his intern days. Yeah. <laughs> Gilbert was was rubbing the fabric behind me. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, like, who is this weird guy with the brown sweater I on? really like your sweater. <laughs> In music news, Ross, if you saw her last week's episode, you know we're big into hip-hop, and the return of Black Star is coming many moons later, just years later at this point, yes, <laughs> where people man. are like, Black Star who? We're the, yes. the 20s, 20s kids. What is this generation called, the TikTok generation? They don't know who Black Star is. I don't know. But, but their album, No Fear of Time, will be out May 3rd on their podcast platform, Luminary, as I roll my eyes. They just put their single out, Mineral Mountain, Black Star keeps shining. Yes, but what's Black- with the release on the podcast network? Come on. Black Star was one of the uh was one of my favorite albums when I was in I college at Hampton Hampton University. Outstanding album. If you've never heard it before, go listen to it ASAP. Um, Evan and I saw Talib Kweli and Most Def in concert at the Taste of Chicago yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, at the taste. Yeah, so those guys are, are absolutely amazing. I'm excited to hear the album. Mad Lib is doing the production, he does not miss. Um does not miss. Yeah, so I, I'm excited for it. We haven't heard anything from most deaf in years. So that's a that yeah. within itself is a treat right there. But to, see, to hear both of those guys together is gonna be awesome. Yasin Bay. Yasin Bay, the artist formerly known as Most Def, I guess. That's right. Uh, I guess these artists are really just trying to control the royalties with things like this. And Kanye, whatever bullshit he's on, whatever streaming service that he released Donda to on, but you know, more yeah. power to him. Well, folks, the time has come for Ross to be the Debbie Downer that he is. Oh and he can God. shit on the HBO series Winning Time. That is the story of the Lakers dynasty back in the 80s. Move this man! <laughs> come on, Ross. What's not to like? Look at this cast, first of all. You got John C. Riley. You got the kid who looks just like Magic. You got the Australian <laughs> playing, playing Jerry West. Just, just like you got Magic. Adrian Brody, the guy who played, who was playing Kareem. I guess he actually played college ball, and he's like six eleven, and he's yeah. a teacher, something like that. Sally Field in the cut. Great the Sally from, Field. Is that girl from? I'm trying to. Is she an Uncle Buck? The young. She was like a kid last time I remember. <laughs> but oh, there's Jason Siegel too. It's great. Yeah. It's Adam McKay. I'm very entertained. So. You know, listen, I'm usually a big fan of Adam McKay. I, I, I have not been a big fan of his recently. I think that he's gone a little too over the top on his content. I appreciate more of his earlier stuff. I love Anchorman, obviously, one of the funniest movies of all time. I love the big short as well. Um, but then when we started creeping into, like, Vice, into there, um, the, the latest movie on Netflix, Don't Look Up, was not a fan of that either. I think he's going a little too over the top with his satire. And it's just like it's trying to be like a a light beer version of Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm that's a hard pass for me. And um, I watched the first couple episodes of Winning Time, and I thought it was so over the top, especially with the Jerry West stuff. I actually felt bad for Jerry West. And I was just like, "There's no fucking way that this is a an accurate rendition of Jerry West or even Magic Johnson for that matter." And it just was a big turnoff for me. I, I it was just way too. Um, you know, the, the satirical over the top with these with these guys. And I can appreciate if you're based on a true story was at least 60 to 70 percent accurate. 
But when it starts dipping down to like 50, 40 percent, I'm good. I'm out. I think the it's important like, thing. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's like cool tits and booze and drugs. Awesome. Like that. <laughs> I'm fucking 40, man. I've seen that stuff before. You gotta that's, get me with something else. That's why it's on HBO. But John C. Riley, he was he was on Colbert, one of those shows recently, and talking about the story of dr jerry bus of course too and and just giving everybody sort of that elevator pitch on the lakers dynasty it really is i think that's what you got to focus on is the actual storyline which it remains true to and the coaching struggles and then how pat riley's there and he's just doing commentary on the side to start and magic's the young buck like those things that are truthful you're gonna throw more tits in there more relationships and, and magic and, and controversy there and making Jerry West a huge asshole, things like that. Cause there was a lot of egos in the, that Lakers organization, but yeah, the, that storyline of the dynasty starting up. And I, I kind of like how it's breaking the fourth wall too. And, and John C. Riley and other people talking to, to the, to the camera as well, talking about magic getting courted by Phil Knight for a while and possibly going to Nike instead of converse and interesting things. Like we have yet to see the guy who's going to play Larry bird, but, it's fun. That's what it comes back to me. I'm here to be entertained and it's going to be, it has some, you know, typical HBO drama to it. I know that, you know, the inaccuracies may bother you, but that's what it's building up to is, is the true parts of it. When you get to see Pat Riley take the reins and you start to see Doc Buss's faith in this organization really pay off. Yeah, it is based on a book. Um, it's been a highly contested book. It's been a book that a lot of the, uh, factual individuals who are implicated in the book have said that's not quite how it went down. Sure. So, you know, it, it, it's tough to translate these things. So, I mean, HBO's got another hit. Um, so it, I, I know a lot of people are going to continue to keep watching it. It's not quite for me. Uh, so I'm out. I'm liking the film look they got to it, too. It feels very 70s. I do like that. It feels very, uh, feels very boogie nights. Uh, yeah. Exactly. John C. Riley was in and John he has a, a tremendous nights. comb over. He actually he demos the the Dr. Jerry Buss comb over, which is really great. And eh, it's not for everybody, Ross. <laughs> we end on this. Yeah. I'm an actor with no bad movies. We could say Gilbert Gottfried, couldn't we? You could. Some would say some would say Leo. Some would say Denzel, perhaps. Hey, Leo's got bad movies. He does have bad movies. They all have bad movies. If have you, you ever have seen The Beach, you can name me an actor right now who's great, and I'll tell you a bad movie off the top of my head. It just, it, it doesn't exist. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. I don't like Step Brothers, um, personally. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of Step Brothers. Um, what's the Walk Hard, the, the Dewey Cox story? I'm good on that, too. Oh, it's a fantastic one. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Get out of here, Dewey. You don't want no part of this. I'm going to get that drop for next week. <laughs> I think Ross and I would agree that there's not really a right answer besides Michael Jeffrey Jordan. End of no. list. Yes. Who would you say has the, who would you say has the best IMDB that if you would put a guy out there, IMDB for IMDB, who are you picking one actor? You have to repeat the question you cut out. Yeah, I was going to say, who would you pick one actor you have to put their IMDb up against anybody. Best of best. Their IMD up against anybody. IM, IMDb. Their their yeah. movie. Their movie. Sure. Their movie catalog. I mean, I was looking. I I went on a deep dive with Leo, and the beach is sure. Like the early stuff may not be hidden. I think later on you start to get really picky. Like he doesn't have the number of titles like a Jeff Bridges has, or yeah. obviously like Samuel L. Jackson doesn't turn down work at mm -hmm. a certain point, you just do it to get paid. Right. right. But it really, there was, was a lot of truth. I think between him and Denzel, I think Denzel does the, the crappy action movies to mm -hmm. an extent. And, and Leo remains, someone said Jared Leto too. I'm like oh, he's Jared Leto. Awesome movies. movies. He literally has one out right now. Morbius, Morbius. is fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> People are saying, man. It's terrible. Everybody who's who's a career actor, you're gonna be doing like a Cars eight, and yeah. you're gonna be like, eh, I, I get a million dollar paycheck for sitting behind a microphone. You know, I will I'll say, say Philip Seymour Hoffman. 
Yeah, Phil Seymour. Phil Seymour offers a great one. I would say Daniel Day Lewis is probably sure the closest we've had to like a damn near perfect IMDb. I mean, the guy, you know, Nine was a bad movie, but Phantom Thread, Lincoln, There Will Be Blood, Gangs of New York, The Boxer. I can go on and on. I mean, My Left Foot. My left foot. The guy was super selective with his roles. He doesn't really act that much anymore, but he might have. Uh, one of the best IMDb's out there from a, a a huge marquee brand name. Yeah, no question. Daniel Day Lewis is hitting right there. Even the the old guys like Pacino and De Niro have done some bad movies. They've Stankers. done like Las Vegas and Las Vegas. yeah. Pacino did that. What was it? Some Adam Sandler movie where he was interested. Oh, the God. Jack and Jill movie. He was. You that. say Adam Sandler to me, I'm out. Adam Sandler? You say Adam Sandler to me, I'm completely out. <laughs> He's got nothing but hits. I'm so fucking out. <laughs> We're out of time. Thanks to everybody for listening in. Remember this podcast and, and episode of Mac and Reed will be on Spotify, iTunes, and it'll be on YouTube. Thanks to Barroom for giving us a home as usual. We'll do a podcast soon. Programming note won't be on next Wednesday live. I'll be out of town, but we will do a podcast to talk about the Bulls and, and their playoff run and everything else that's going on. Absolutely. Happy Easter, everybody. Don't eat too many Happy peeps. Uh, do you, how do you feel about peeps on, and on that? I'm in on peeps. I, I hate them. hate them. Yeah. The worst. Give me a Reese's egg and I'm out. <laughs> so long, everybody. See you guys.